Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Part 2, Act 3, Act 3, Scene 1, Hogwarts, Headmistresses, zzz, with too many S's, Office. Scorpius enters the office of Dolores Umbridge. He is dressed in darker, blacker robes. He has a pensive look on his face. He remains coiled and alert. Dolores Umbridge, Scorpius, thank you so much for coming to see me. Scorpius, headmistress. Dolores Umbridge, Scorpius, I've thought for a long time that you have head boy potential, as you know. Pure-blooded, a natural leader, wonderfully athletic. Scorpius, athletic? Dolores Umbridge, no need to be modest, Scorpius. I've seen you on the Quidditch pitch. There's rarely a snitch you don't catch. You are a highly valued student, valued by the faculty, valued especially by me. I've positively glowed about you in dispatches to the augury? I don't remember what the augury is. Don't no time to Google it. Okay, so I Googled it. And there's a long history that I'll read you the history bits, but I won't tell you anything else because I got to the part where it actually, I was like, oh, never mind. That would be spoilers. That's why the name sounds familiar. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. So the history of the augury, according to harrypotter.fandom.com, also known as the Harry Potter wiki. The augury, known as the Irish Phoenix, was a thin and mournful-looking magical bird, somewhat like a small underfed vulture in appearance with greenish-black feathers and a sharp beak. Intensely shy, the augury lived in a the augury lived in a tear-shaped nest in thorn and brambles. Its diet consisted of insects, fairies, and flies, which it hunted for in the heavy rain. The cry of the augury signaled approaching rainfall. It was native to Great Britain and Ireland, but had spread to the rest of Northern Europe. It was long believed that the mournful cry of the augury foretold death, and wizards would go to great length to avoid augury nests. However, research determined that the augury merely sings when it is about to rain. Why I Didn't Die When the Augury Cried, written by Gulliver Pokeby? Pockby, P-O-K-E-B-Y, was published in 1824 by Little Red Books and dispelled the myth that the cry of the augury signaled impending death. Augury feathers repelled ink, making them useless as quill feathers. However, the magical quill of acceptance that recorded prospective students for Hogwarts School of Wit Witchcraft and Wizardry in the Book of Admittance was believed to come from an augury, we will come back to that because I want to know more about the Quill of Acceptance. Um, do, 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 do. When it was learned that auguries could foretell the coming of rain, they were used as weather forecasters. However, the continual moaning from them during the winter months was difficult to bear. 
God, I'm so glad those things... First of all, they're magical creatures, but we're, we're playing in the world that magical creatures exist. God, I'm so glad those things don't exist in Oregon. They would be screeching constantly. Doesn't matter. Wouldn't just be the winter months. Rains all year round here. It would be horrible. Okay, um... Continual moaning from them in the winter months was difficult to bear. History in the Middle Ages. Uric the Oddball once owned 50 pet auguries. On one particularly rainy day, they all cried at once, leading Uric to believe that now a ghost. This led, him, this led to him giving himself a concussion by trying to walk through walls. In the 1920s, in 1927, Jacob Kowalski encountered Patrick in Augury, one of several kept in Newt Scamander's home. Oh, that's very cute. We get to see Jacob Kowalski wiki. Oh. Um. Twenty twenty two, a plane flew overhead. Uh the nineteen eighties main article Augury at the Magical Creatures Reserve. In the late nineteen eighties an Augury lived in the Magical Creatures Reserve and was often visited by Jacob's sibling. Nineteen ninety Jacob has a sibling? Do, 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 do. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. I thought that Jacob Kowalski was... Hold on, I need to pause this. Okay, sorry, I went down a slight weird magic rabbit hole that I don't completely understand. Because Jacob Kowalski is from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them in the 1920s, and then it talks about the 1980s, and then Jacob's sibling, and I don't understand what's going on there. So we're just going to move on. 1990s and 2000s. Nope. Can't get into that because that's where we get into this nonsense. But yeah, so auguries are magical birds that predict the rain, not death. Okay, so because I literally could not not go and continue down the rabbit hole that is Harry Potter wiki of what on earth the quill of acceptance or whatever it was yeah the quill of acceptance and the book of admittance are here we go we got here because it's believed to be an augury feather 
The Quill of Acceptance was created by the four founders of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. It was created sometime before the completion of the Hogwarts Castle, as it and the Book of Admittance were ready to be placed in small inside the small locked tower they resided in upon the castle's completion. The exact nature of the spells placed on the quill was unknown. It was believed to be an augury feather, yet was capable of writing despite the fact that silver ink pot it sat in had no ink inside. The augury feathers repelled ink regardless. Though some wizards may have known the secret of the quill, no one ever divulged it. Albus Dumbledore was implied to have known both the qu- how both the quill and the book work, but noted that divulging such information would cause needless, tedious explanations to wizarding parents who would be furious that their child was not selected. The book and quill's decision was final, and no child was admitted whose name was not first had not first been inscribed on the book's yellowing pages. At the precise moment that a child first exhibited signs of magic, the quill floated up out of its ink pot and attempted to inscribe the name of that child upon the pages of the book. The quill's sensitivity, coupled with the book's implacability, never made a mistake. Okay. So, Neville's name was, like, not put into the book until, like, that incident where they dropped him out of a window. He was, like, three, I want to say. Okay, so... It goes on to be about how it assures that squibs aren't allowed into Hogwarts. So now we're going to go over to do 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 where the book the book the link to the book go. The Book of Admittance Made in the Founders Time. The Book of Admittance was a large parchment book bound in black dragonhide at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, in which the Quill of Acceptance wrote down the birth of every magical child. A powerful magical artifact in its own right, the book served as a regulatory system, refusing to allow the Quill to write in it until sufficient evidence of magical ability was displayed, thus guarding against squibs being incorrectly admitted. Uh, in a small locked tower never visited by any student at Hogwarts was an ancient book that had not been touched by human hands since the four founders placed it there on completion of the castle. There were very few wizards who had observed the process. Several headmasters and headmistresses had enjoyed spending quiet hours in the book and quills tower, hoping to catch them in action. Though some wizards may have known the secret of the book, no one ever divulged it. Albus Dumbledore was implied to have known the... That was... That's just copy and paste from the other Wikipedia. The book and quills... Child was a... uh, It's basically copy and paste. 
The book, however, would snap shut, refusing to be written upon it till it received sufficient dramatic evidence of magical ability. In fact, the book's sternness had a purpose. It tracks its track record in keeping squibs out of Hogwarts was perfect. Non-magical children born to witches and wizards occasionally had some small residual aura of magic about them due to their parents. But once their parents' magic had worn off of them, it became clear that they would never have the ability to perform spells. The quill's sensitivity, coupled with the book's implacability, never made a mistake. Um, as this record contained the name and birth date of every magical child, it was used to tell who was eligible to attend Hogwarts and when. Every... Okay. That makes sense. Also, like, does nobody know about this book? Because, like, this would have made it so much easier to figure out who the chosen one was with, like, oh my gosh, we have to break into the Ministry of Magic and find this one prophecy. Or... We could, you know, break into Hogwarts, which, while also difficult, and hadn't been done at the time, but is now, like, several times been done, and steal a book. To be fair, a magical book snapped shut, so even if they didn't know that it existed, it might be kind of difficult to open the book. I wonder if it can't be touched by human hands, or if it's just, like powerful thing and we shouldn't touch it or if like there's magic keeping you from touching it because like if you have a book with the birth dates of every single magical child like I feel like hunting Harry and Neville down would have been a much easier thing to do um, to do to do to do. Used to tell who was eligible to attend Hogwarts and when every year. Oh, every year, Professor Minerva McGonagall checked the book and sent acceptance letters by Owl to children who were close to turning eleven, letting them know of their place at the school. Additionally, for Muggle-born children, special messengers. Sorry, we got to click on that because that's got to be like. It's gotta be, like, just a post... a postman, right? A postal carrier? Oh, yeah, it just, okay. Just checking, yeah. It's just stuff being sent by normal mail. Um, I've lost where I was. Okay. Uh, Muggle-born children, special messengers, were sent personally to explain the wizarding world to their parents. Okay, so not your normal mailman, but still. Um, for some reasons, the book must not be touched. 
not even by the professors, and the pages should only be turned by saying the name one wanted to look up, in which case the book would turn to the page with the name on it. Wait, how do you know the name? Okay. The book is supposed to be a list of all of the names and their birth dates. So, like, for looking up birth dates of people you already know, like, okay... I want to look up Neville Longbottom's birthday. Fine. You just say Neville Longbottom. But if you don't... If you're trying to, like... If you... The book is supposed to be a list, so you know who to send letters to. But if you can't turn the pages without already knowing the names... I, I I guess I'm just confused because like you need the book to learn the names of all the people to send owls out to but you can't turn the page until you already know the name but how do you turn the pa- <sighs> you need the book to learn the names but you need to know the names to turn the page that's frustrating. And that's the only way to turn the pages. That doesn't make sense. Uh, the Ministry of Magic did not have its own means of detecting magical births and did not have access to the Hogwarts birth register. This is presumably why the creation of the Muggleborn Registration Commission was necessary for the Ministry to determine who was Muggleborn and prosecute them accordingly during the Second Wizarding War. Okay. That makes sense. I'm still so f- Like, how- You can't- You can't have a thing. Like, that doesn't, it fundamentally doesn't work. Or maybe I'm just not thinking of something. So, like, when you listen to this, if you can think of how you would turn the page to a name that you don't know, let me know. Because now I'm just angry. And I've been ranting for, like, I don't know, at least ten minutes. Have I read any of Act 3, Scene 1, at all yet? Oh, I did. I read to the bottom of the page, and then we got to the word augury, which then led to the quill of accept... No, the... Yeah, the quill of accept- acceptance, and the book of admittance, and all that jazz. <sighs> okay. I'm just gonna stop reading now, because I've already gotten so distracted, and I'm tired, and would like to go to bed. So, we're gonna continue this episode later, and actually do some reading. <laughs> Okay, I've now given myself some time to hopefully not go on another horrible tangent. Um, I don't remember exactly where I left off, so I'm just going to start Act 3, Scene 1 over. Just to be safe. Act 3, Scene 1. Hogwarts, Headmistress's Office. Scorpius enters the office of Dolores Umbridge. He is dressed in darker, blacker robes. He has a pensive look on his face. He remains coiled and alert. Dolores Umbridge. Scorpius. 
Thank you so much for coming to see me. Scorpius. Headmistress. Dolores Umbridge. Scorpius, I've thought for a long time that you have headboy potential. As you know, pure-blooded, a natural leader, wonderfully athletic. Scorpius. Athletic? Dolores Umbridge. No need to be modest, Scorpius. I've seen you on the Quidditch pitch. There's rarely a snitch you don't catch. You are a highly valued student. Valued by the faculty, valued especially by me. I've positively glowed about you in dispatches to the augury. Our work together, fleshing out the more dilettante students, has made the school a safer, purer place. Scorpius. Has it? There's the sound of a scream from off. Scorpius turns towards it, but he dismisses the thought. He must, and he will, control himself. Dolores Umbridge. But in the three days since I found you in that lake on Voldemort Day, you've become... odder and odder. In particular, this sudden obsession with Harry Potter. Scorpius. I don't... Dolores Umbridge. Questioning everyone you can about the Battle of Hogwarts, how Potter died, why Potter died, and this ludicrous fascination with Cedric Diggory. Scorpius, we've checked you for hexes and curses. There are none that we can see. So I'm asking if there's anything I can do to restore you to what you were. Scorpius. No, n no, can consider me restored. Temporary aberration, that's all. Dolores Umbridge. So we can continue our work together. Scorpius. We can. She puts a hand to her heart and touches her wrists together. Dolores Umbridge. For Voldemort and Valor. Scorpius, trying to copy. For, um... Yes. Act 3, Scene 2. Hogwarts. Grounds. Carl Jenkins. Hey, Scorpion King. Scorpius is high-fived. It's painful. He takes it. Jan Fredericks. We're still on, right? Tomorrow night? Carl Jenkins. Because we are ready to spill some proper mudblood guts. Polly Chapman. Scorpius. Polly Chapman is standing on the stairs. Scorpius turns toward her, surprised to hear her say his name. Scorpius. Polly Chapman? Polly Chapman. Shall we cut to it? I know everyone is waiting to know who you're going to ask, because you know. You need to ask someone, and I've been asked by three people already, and I know I'm not alone in refusing them all. In case, you know, you were to ask me. Scorpius. Right. Polly Chapman. Which would be great if you were interested. Which rumor is you are. And I just want to make clear at this moment that I am also interested. And that isn't rumor. That's a F-A-C-T fact. Scorpius. That's, um, great, but... 
What are we talking about? Polly Chapman. The Blood Ball, of course, who you, the Scorpion King, are taking to the Blood Ball. Scorpius. You, Polly Chapman, want me to take you to a ball? There is a sound. There is the sound of screaming behind him. What is that screaming? Polly Chapman. Mudbloods, of course, in the dungeon. Your idea, wasn't it? What's going on with you? Oh, Potter, I've got blood on my shoes again. She bends and carefully cleans the blood off of her shoes. Like the augury insists, the future is ours to make. So I here I am, making a future with you. For Voldemort and Valor. Scorpius. For Voldemort it is. Polly walks on. Scorpius looks agonized after her. What is this world, and what is he within it? Act 3, Scene 3, Ministry of Magic, Office of the Head of Magical Law Enforcement. Draco is impressive in a way we haven't seen. He has the smell of power about him. The smell of power? What does that even mean? The smell of power. I don't know why all my brain can think of is sweat and that's gross. I don't know what the smell of power is. I don't like it. Okay, Draco smells like power for whatever reason and whatever that means. Flying down either side of the room are augury flags with the bird emblazoned in a fantastic manner. Draco, you're late. That felt like Snape. <laughs> you are late, Scorpius. This is your office? Draco, you are late and unapologetic. Maybe you are determined to compound the problem. Scorpius, your head of magical law enforcement? Draco, how dare you? How dare you embarrass me and keep me waiting and then not apologize for it? Scorpius. Sorry. Draco. Sir. Scorpius. Sorry, sir. Draco. I did not bring you up to be sloppy, Scorpius. I did not bring you up to humiliate you. To humiliate... Humiliate... Okay. I did not bring you up to humiliate me at Hogwarts, Scorpius. Humiliate you, sir? Draco. Harry Potter, asking questions about Harry Potter of all the embarrassing things. How dare you disgrace the Malfoy name? Scorpius. Oh, no. Are you responsible? No, no, you can't be. Draco. Scorpius. Scorpius. The Daily Prophet today, three wizards blowing up bridges to see how many muggles they can kill with one blast. Is that you? Draco, be very careful. Scorpius, the mudblood death camps? Mudblood is in quotes there, which I kind of like. Okay, moving on. The mudblood death camps, the torture... 
the burning alive of those that oppose him? How much of that is you? Mum always told me that you were a better man than I could see, but this is what you really are, isn't it? A murderer. A torturer. Uh, Draco rises up and pulls Scorpius hard onto the table. The violence is surprising and deadly. Which I feel... Because Scorpius is not dead. But you cannot just use the word deadly. You can say it's violent. You can say it's vicious. You can say it's harmful. You cannot call it deadly. If no one dies. This is misuse of the word. Yes, the violence is surprising. It's not deadly because Scorpius isn't dead. Draco. Do not use her name in vain, Scorpius. Do not score points that way. She deserves better than that. Scorpius says nothing. Horrified and scared. Draco reads this. He lets go of Scorpius' head. He doesn't like hurting his son. He did just slam his head into a table. I mean, I guess it's glad he didn't enjoy it, but like... He doesn't dislike hurting his son, either. Uh, and no, those idiots blasting muggles, that's not my doing. Though it'll be me, the augury asked to bribe the muggle prime minister with gold. Did your mother really say that of me? Scorpius. She said that grandfather didn't like her very much. Opposed the match. Thought she was too muggle-loving, too weak that you defied him for her. She said it was the bravest thing she's ever seen. Draco. She made being brave very easy, your mother. Scorpius. But that was another you. He looks at his dad, who looks back with a frown. I've done bad things. You've done worse. What have we become, dad? Draco. We haven't become anything. We simply are as we are. Scorpius. The Malfoys, the family you can always rely on to make the world a murkier place. This hits home with Draco. He looks carefully at Scorpius. Draco. This business at the school, what's inspired it? Scorpius. I don't want to be who I am, Draco. And what's brought that on? Scorpius desperately thinks for a way of describing his story. Scorpius. I've seen myself in a different way, Draco. You know what I loved most about your mother? She could always help me find light in the darkness. She made the world, my world anyway, Less, what was the word you used? Marky? Scorpius. Did she? Draco, study, Draco studies his son. Draco. There's more of her in there than I thought. Beat, he looks at Scorpius carefully. Whatever you're doing, do it safely. I can't lose you too. Scorpius. Yes, sir. Draco looks at his son one last time, trying to understand his head. Draco, 
for Voldemort and Valor. Scorpius looks at him and backs out of the room. Scorpius, for Voldemort and Valor. Act 3, Scene 4, Hogwarts, Library. Scorpius enters the library and starts desperately to look through books. He finds a history book. Scorpius, how did Cedric become a Death Eater? What have I missed? Find me some light in the darkness. Tell me your secrets. What have I missed? Craig Bowker Jr. Why are you here? Scorpius turns to look at a rather desperate looking Craig, his clothes tattered and torn. Tattered and worn. Scorpius, why can't I be here? Craig Bowker Jr. It's not ready yet. I'm working as fast as I can, but Professor Snape said so much of it. And writing the essay in two different ways? I mean, I I'm not complaining. Sorry. Scorpius start. Scorpius. Start again from the beginning. What's not ready? Craig Bowker Jr. Your potion's homework, and I'm happy to do it, grateful even, and I know you hate homework and books, and I never let you down, you know that. Scorpius. I hate homework? Craig Bowker Jr. You're the Scorpion King, of course you hate homework. What are you doing with a history of magic? I could do that assignment too. Pause. Scorpius looks at Craig a moment, and then walks away. Craig exits. After a moment, Scorpius returns with a frown. Scorpius. Did he say Snape?